Welcome to episode 34, Midwest Vegan Radio, You Do Adore. J'adore Midwest Vegan Radio. <laughs> no, that was, that was very Tobias from Arrested Development. <laughs> we should get him on the show. You're listening to Midwest Vegan Radio. We're sharing all our secrets. <laughs> We're sharing all of our secrets just for you special listeners. With your hosts, Dallas. That sounds so good. And Ryan. Pass the news. Well, we're back. I always say that. I don't know why I, I don't have a, I, I don't need to have a problem with it. No. It's just the way it is. It, it is, is what it is. It is. It is. It is. Are you going to kick us off? I'm Ryan. I'm Dallas. Elliot's over there. Hello. Yep. And today, I guess we're going to talk about something that we have spoken about before, here and there. Around the square. Sprinkled throughout the history of this fine podcast. In your hair. <laughs> and, yeah. In Elliot's hair. Hey, nice haircut. Yeah, By the way, all he of them. He looks wonderful. Thank you. So, um, but this has been bothering me lately because I see and hear so many um, vegans doing this thing that kind of drives me nuts. Like a steering wheel in my pants. Arg, she's driving me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the pirate joke. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and that, that issue is, I believe that we as vegans, as animal advocates, as people who are setting, I don't know, like really working hard to set a moral standard in the world, should never, ever be encouraging people to go vegetarian. Right. And this, there's a lot of stuff around this, and it might sound counterintuitive at first, because a lot of people will say, well, isn't that a step in the right direction? Right? And that's what we're going to examine today. And that's what we're going to examine. We're going to try to come to a place on this. I think the bar, the line is that we're always advocating for veganism. That's our baseline. It is. But, Dallas, don't you think it's better for people to do something than nothing? Absolutely, I think that. And wouldn't somebody who's consistently vegetarian be hurting less animals than somebody who only does, like, a vegan Sunday or meatless Mondays or whatever. Aren't they contributing to less? And doesn't Maybe, that, maybe not. Doesn't that fall into... Maybe, maybe not. Do something? Depending. Okay. On, you know, what... How much um, dairy and eggs and such they're consuming. Sure. Because those absolutely hurt animals, too. Um, and as... Ryan, I know Ryan has in the past made mm -hmm. this argument that dairy and eggs actually hurt more um, to some degree because of the compounding, the compounded suffering, the length of time that these animals are exploited and they all end up in the slaughterhouse anyway. Yep. So that's, that is, I mean, I guess it would depend is what I would say on that. I don't mm -hmm. know. I mean, it would kind of, you'd have to look at like the net volume. Of but is that not still doing something? 
yes, I believe it is doing something. However, I believe that people will come to their own. You know, if they're not ready to go vegan immediately, then, which I think we should always be saying, you know, clear that that is what we're asking for. That is what we think is, you know, the goal. Um, and that, and that it really isn't that hard. You know, the idea that veganism is so difficult, um, it's important to continue to challenge that myth again and again. But people are going to come up with their own steps that they will take to get to that spot. Mm-hmm. You don't have to provide those for them. And that right. is what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Some people m- might decide that they're going to go and they're going to buy some kind of animal flesh that's got a, a, I don't know, a rating about how the animals were treated. But we, that's not our job ever to suggest that, that that's where they start. Right. They can figure that out on their own. And, you know, to Because it's almost say, making an excuse for them. It's almost... Well, yeah. I mean, it's like... It, if it comes from our mouths, it's like we're we're endorsing it in some way. Do you know what I mean? You know, I doing a lot of activism with you. This come this absolutely comes up, and I don't ever not talk about that. I mean, it, you know, I don't bring it up, but if it comes up naturally. I do tell people that vegan is what they should be striving for mm-hmm. and that it is easy. There's a learning curve, certainly, mm-hmm. but there are groups that are trying to make it easy. And once you understand what this means for your how you live in the world, it's just not that hard. But if treating animals well matters, then... Seeking out allegedly humanely treated animals to consume. I don't advocate for that, but it's a good place to start thinking. Because you're acknowledging that animals matter. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind then that if that's where you're going and you think, well, I'll just, you know, get free range handheld poetry read as someone mentioned on one of Colleen's podcasts you know so you're never going to go to a restaurant then because you can't guarantee I mean it's one thing if you're going to go find a farm you're going to go there yourself they slaughter on site and that's your definition of you know that's where you're drawing your line I guess and you're willing to go that far then you can't ever go out to eat because that's not how those animals are treated and you can't ever eat in anyone else's house because you can't guarantee that they're going to you know follow the same guidelines that you will so I always say that that's a it's an okay place to start thinking but the goal the the place you need to get to is vegan. Yeah. When people kind of go there with me, um, 
I will I will point out, well, you need to go to a special store. You need to have done some research. You need to mm-hmm. read labels. You will be paying more money. You can't ever trust what yeah. is on a label either. Yeah, you can't really trust what's on a label. And I said, so, um, and because you can't really trust what's going on, you don't even know that what has been done to that animal meets whatever your standards are. Mm-hmm. So why not just be absolutely sure and be vegan? Right. Why not just do that? Because it's not hard. Um, you know, or if you're gonna if you're gonna try but again, I mean that's they will come up with their own thing. And, you know, that however they get there, I suppose, is their business. But I just all I'm saying is I think that it's really important that what we what we suggest, what we recommend, what we encourage people to do, we we just be careful about that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, people will, they will naturally go to the, veg, you know, they'll do the vegetarian, you know, thing, or they'll come up with buying, you know, buying products at Whole Foods or something on their own. That's not, I mean, there's enough... Um, marketing out there aimed at them that they they can figure that out without us telling them well why don't you start here well i'd like to address too something that you just said and i think we've said this throughout and we say this constantly in our daily activism but you said something that as i'm thinking about it is a complete lie you said it's not hard And I don't think that that's the truth. I think that it's easy once you're, once that's part of your life, it's, it becomes no longer challenging when you're in our position. It's totally fucking easy. Yeah. You've been vegan for a really long time. You more or less live in a vegan bubble. It's easy for you, but for people that, don't have our personality types for people that are in different work or family scenarios. It can be tough. I think that we need to honor that. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you said that. It isn't easy. I'm glad you said that. Until you get over the learning curve and find your voice and find and get your social needs met. It's not easy. If it was easy, we wouldn't, do the work that we do with the Animal Rights Coalition with the Vegan University. We wouldn't be yeah, doing these social... That's true. Um, well, and ...how-tos, because yeah. it would just be super easy and nobody would need help with it. But that program is thriving because people need help. Yeah. It's not easy at first. Yep. I'm glad you said that. And there are parts of it, too, that, you know, I guess I don't really equate necessarily... Um, I don't think that, um, to me, it's like there's a distinction between the difficulty that is being vegan and the difficulty that is living in a world with so much violence. You know, I mean, and that's the, that's the difficulty for me is some, is like surviving in a place where there is right so much injustice and horrific things happening all the time that I know about. Yeah. Um, but to me, I guess the way that I view it is 
saying I'm not going to be a part of that violence, I'm not going to contribute to it, that's not hard. No, that is easy. But so, I'm, I'm you know, looking at scenarios where like, so my husband isn't vegan mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we have an understanding about, you know, when we're around certain people, when we're in certain situations, that's pretty cut and dry and clear, but, you know, sometimes when we go out to eat, he will order something that isn't vegan. And while it's easy for me to be vegan on my own, mm-hmm. I am navigating still. And even though it's okay and we're in, we're in a good place and our relationship is great, that's still something that we have to navigate. Mm-hmm. And that's not always easy. Yes. Because it's something that's still three years into me being vegan is something that I'm, I still have to deal with this. Yeah. And the easy thing to do would be to not be vegan. That would be the easy thing to do because my family's not, my husband's not, my friends are, but the easy thing to do would be to not be vegan. The right thing to do is not always the easy thing to do. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking, um, you know, like there's, there's a difference between, um, the, you know, what the choices that you make and then interacting with the rest of the world. So in terms of just simply making these choices for yourself, that's not hard, but in, we are not, we don't just live in a vacuum. Like we, we're social creatures and we have relationships and my vacuum isn't that big anyway we're <laughs> work environments i couldn't and fit a tv in there or a couch <laughs> we you know we we live um in communities mm-hmm. that are lar- you know are largely not vegan friendly so that can be you know that can be difficult if you're gonna you know try to balance um maintaining relationships that are important to you and depending on how those other people are going to react and all of that. Some people have an easy time making the switch. Other people don't. And a lot of that I think has to do with who's in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not, it, I, I will, maybe I have to think about another way to phrase that, but I just don't want, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I don't want people to, look at veganism as something that's really extreme that only the most dedicated hardcore person could possibly pull off do you know what i mean yeah i want it to be accessible so maybe that it is you know what's really interesting about this is that i think this is worth talking about without getting into too many specifics but um we have a friend who is who we care about very much and we want to support who is now on her third time of not being vegan. She was vegan, then she wasn't, then she wasn't, then she wasn't, then now she's then she was, now she's not. Um and, you know, for whatever reason, it's proving to not be easy in her life. Yeah. And 
you know, this is something we really need to honor. There aren't any other moral positions in life where it's where we're constantly faced with making this decision. I don't have to think over and over and over again, am I going to kill somebody today? Am I not? Am I going to rape anyone? Am I going to steal from people? Am I not going to do this? It's It just doesn't... That never comes up. Except, you know, like, if someone cuts me off in traffic, then I kind of want to ram their car. But <laughs> it doesn't... Not, that doesn't ever come up for me. But I think that this honestly and clearly comes up for people. And you look at people who... Like the author of The Vegetarian Myth was vegan for a long time. And then when they weren't anymore, then they had to scream the loudest about why you shouldn't be. Um, you know, and so it's almost like it doesn't matter how long you're vegan. You never know what's going to come up where you constantly have to make this commitment. And... As much as I think, what was her name, Jeanette Turner, is a, whatever I think of her, Mm -hmm. from the Wedge article, episode, what, like four, episode three or four, um, there is almost, it's not an addiction component, but there is a component where it for the rest of your life that you're going to be vegan, it's a choice you have to continue to make. And that isn't unlike being in recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, eating disorder. Mm-hmm. You have to make that moral choice every time you eat and in all of your actions. Yeah, I think that that's really important. To It, it is important that we honor that and we acknowledge it. It's true. And again, just my point is that I didn't, I don't want it. I think that it's our job as best we can to model that this is possible. It's doable. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, again, I just don't want people to, I don't want vegans especially to be perpetuating this myth that veganism is only for people who... I don't know, seem to be able to do superhuman things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it is it is possible for people to do this. That's what I mean by it's not that hard. I mean, it takes commitment and it takes, you know, you need to, you should have support and that sort of thing. And it, if your support is this podcast, you know, awesome. There's a lot of people who have this podcast as support. Um, but that's all that I meant by that. So, you know, as it relates to how we project veganism, you know, veganism to the world, I hope that we just don't, um, I just feel like if, if we say, if we offer up, well, why don't you start with vegetarianism, then that it does it doesn't challenge people to the degree that i feel like people ought to be challenged on this does that make sense it makes sense i think it's the wrong way to say it because well help it help this isn't about challenging people 
It's about helping people live their values. Mm-hmm. It's not about running a marathon. It's not about becoming great at yoga. It's not a challenge in that way. It's about because being vegetarian isn't truly honoring your values and it's not truly living your values. Maybe we're thinking of challenge in a different way. That's possible. Because it's not, I'm not thinking of it as an antagonistic sort of thing or what I mean is exactly it is an opportunity to live your values. And I think that it's our job as people, you know, as vegans encouraging other people to go vegan to say, wait a minute, you can do this. Like, not give up on them that easily. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. So, like, almost like a good coach would do. Like, well, and I think, too, um, to validate and speak to what you want the, this episode to even be about is that, oh, my gosh, I'm in the middle of losing it. <laughs> I'm losing my train here. Okay. We have, outside of a, our vegan sphere and our activism and when we're with our tribe, when we're doing outreach, you've got one chance to get to people, to reach them. And don't let that one chance be wasted on not asking what you want. Yeah. Don't let that one chance be, hey, vegetarian's totally fine. Yeah. If that's where someone needs to settle or start... It's a place to start, and it is a reduction in harm, albeit minimal and not ideal. I it's still question that. And I'm not saying to advocate. Depending. I'm not saying to advocate for that start. I'm just saying it is. It is a start. Yes. Because and we need to be careful here, but you need to leave them with the impression that vegan is the goal and it's doable. Yes. Um. But we need to be careful to not make people feel like we're, like we don't respect where they are in their journey. Right. Well, and And there are lots of things, there are lots of things you can say that are not like what, that, that, that going vegetarian is great. You can say things like, I am really proud of you that you are starting to think about these things seriously. It's so great to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, I really love hearing you come up with some ideas about things that you can do that, you know, or what I, I mean, you can certainly leave people validated and appreciated and hear them and all of those things. I'm just saying, like, consistently use your words to kind of continue to usher them in that general direction and the other thing too because this also i think applies in our personal lives you know with if you're like standing at a table or something and you have you're talking to a stranger you have one chance to reach that person but there are friends and people we see you know at the gym or whatever um boyfriends or girlfriends of friends that come through our lives and we may see a few times um co-workers and stuff and i feel like if if we say, yeah, why don't you do the vegetarian thing and not make it clear that veganism is where we want people to go, we confuse them and we mislead them. 
Right. And then they th- they're they left thinking that they've made it. And yep. then we come back and say, oh, but not really, you know, there's really problems with this too. It's like, why weren't you honest with me in the first place? The, and that's the problem with welfare campaigns in general, because you get to um, take, for example, the U of M cage-free eggs alleged victory. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the University of Minnesota switched to cage-free eggs. And the group that was responsible for that, I don't even want to say it's a victory. They call it a victory, but they're a welfare group. But saying that that's a victory, now they struck a, a deal with the devil, the devil being the you, that, and now you're not going to bug us about anything else for X number of years. Mm-hmm. And so when someone, if you get someone to go vegetarian, because that's where you set the bar, and you say, okay, now let's work on this. Well, no, no, no. I went vegetarian. I did what you asked me to do. Yeah. I don't need to go any further. Yeah. The other part of that, because sometimes I know that a lot of people feel like, um, like a lot of vegans think that asking someone else to go vegan is too much. You know, a lot of vegans will be like, oh, I'm not comfortable asking somebody to make that changes that big in their lives. You know, I feel more comfortable asking people to go vegetarian. A, it's not about you. <laughs> a, it's not it's not about what you feel comfortable, you know, like I'm sure that these animals would feel a lot more comfortable were they not, you know, in the situations that they're in. Um, but B, I, and I've said this, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before or not, but I say it a lot that it is a really... I don't know, just so insulting position to decide for somebody else what they what kind of information you're going to give them, like not give them the whole story because you think that they won't be able to handle it or they won't like it or they'll get upset with you or some, whatever the deal is. It's not about you. Like if they've got an issue with it, that's their issue. Well, that's and not I, about I you. say that all the time too in a different way. I just say it's not your job to assume someone else's capacity for empathy. Yeah. And to understand. It's not your job to try to make that decision for them. Yeah. And this, I can, I definitely, um, I've changed the way that I do, you know, that formal kind of outreach. If I'm standing at a table or giving out information or whatever. I used to work so hard to have conversations. I would try, and I'm sure most of the time fail, to, I would attempt to tailor my conversations to a person based on who I thought that stranger was. I didn't know who this person was, but I'm sitting here like doing flips in my head, trying to figure out what angle I think would make the best impression on them based on what they're wearing, what they look like, who you know, they are, whatever. All these, you know, superficial things that I would be trying to appeal to what I thought that they would be most interested in. But that's not that's, that's not wrong though. It's not. Be- I guess what I'm what I'm meaning is that if someone specifically comes to you and says, "I care a whole lot about environmentalism," then they've shared that with you, and you know that. You're talking about having no information. I'm talking about having no information. Okay. I'm talking about you deciding for somebody else what you're going to tell them. I so but- I think we need to uh, interrupt ourselves to have a stretch break with Elliot. Elliot is over. Yonder stretching out. I'm marathon training. He's marathon training. Okay. 
All right, we're stretching. Okay. This is good stuff. Well, okay. But what I'm saying is... Look at the blood flowing to our brains. If somebody... Okay. <laughs> Elliot, you look so handsome. No, thank you. I try. So, okay. Let, let me just say this again. If somebody had come to me, if I went to you know a table because I was interested in animal issues... You know, and I had asked somebody, what can I do? What can I do? And they had told me to go vegetarian, for example. And I'd say, okay, great, because I'm totally on board and I want to do something. Then later on, I found out that there's, you know, this other thing that actually does a whole lot more good Mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever. Like that's, and that's kind of what this person really wanted all along, too. Um, you know, that I find out they're vegan or whatever. It just, like, you know, you don't know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And if you set the bar that low, you know, you, you could be missing out on all these opportunities. And I would be really pissed off, too, I suppose. So this I mean, is even about... if I can't, even if I can't, I'm thinking about something else that I care, like I care about environmental issues, right? So, um, yeah. I'm not going to be able to put solar panels on my house and, you know, I'm not going to be able to create a driveway that filters water through 16 layers of rock and, you know, do all these things all at once. But there's a whole option of, there's a lot of things that I can figure out how to do right now, given where I'm at. Maybe that's not a good analogy. I don't know. I'm getting lost. <laughs> save me. Save me. Yeah. Pull me out of this, please. Um, Make me sound better than I do. Get me out of here. No, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, you, you're going to, you're doing what you can do, but you need to know where, you need to know where the goal line is. Yeah. And your goal line may eventually be water heated reuse water heated floor tiles so that you can save on your heating costs but but that doesn't mean don't recycle yeah no but that actually just didn't make your point because that's basically like saying well if you can't go vegan go vegetarian but we're talking about dramatic we're talking things. about these something else things, these are it's, not things that go together these are bad analogies they are Sorry, bad folks. analogies um i got you know you i mean maybe for, okay, so here's something else. What about people who um, are working on fair trade issues or anti-sweatshop stuff or something? It's not like... What about them? Well, so if I were that person and I was working on a fair trade campaign, I would be saying, you know, only buy fair trade items, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think about, okay, well, having that conversation, I think about all the things that I've got... How would I figure this out? Um, I feel like I would probably come up with, well, what are the things that I can figure out how to buy fair trade right now? And, you know, maybe there are some things that I can't, but then I feel like I would be the one to initiate that and say, well, I don't know that I can afford a, you know, fair trade, whatever, like pair of shoes or something, but I could do coffee just because I get coffee frequently and I don't get shoes very often. And, 
you know, like I, I think I would put that together and then in my mind think, okay, well, how can I figure out shoes too and make that more consistent? But I don't think that anybody would be like, oh, yeah, fair trade's important, but only, but don't worry about the people that make clothes. Just worry about the people that do food. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to insult any of our listeners and I'm lumped into this group as well, but I think that, and I've said this before, there are so few people on the planet who are actively looking to for ways to make their life harder. And not because it's harder, but because it's the right thing to do. And you are one of the few people on, I think, the planet who is always trying to do better. And you're doing better than most, like, I mean, you're in the 1% of what you can do to try to decrease your impact on, on making the world a shitty place. And you are always looking for not just the easy things that you can do, but you're looking for everything you can possibly do to lessen your impact. And most people just, and this is me not giving them credit, but I know a lot of people and I know myself and we're, we're just not looking for ways to make our lives more complicated and decrease what we can have or can do or whatever. And with, you know, solar panels are neat as hell, but you know, I'm not, I am not even on the verge of considering that at this point. Well, yeah, I, but you're always, but so then I stopped there. Okay. Well, I'm not in a financial position. I live in an apartment. I have no control over whether or not I can use solar panels in my home or my business. So that's end of the topic. Oh, Star Wars is on. And you're like, well, I can't do that. What can I do instead? And so few people seem to huh. keep Well, maybe that's trying. something because, I mean, what, when you eat, that's a daily thing. You're doing that all the time. So I don't know. I feel like I want I want animal rights to be able to be lumped in with all kinds of other social justice issues. But... Every time I try to draw an analogy, it always just falls apart. <laughs> it never ever works out. Well, that's because, and then I think, well, maybe same. that's because I don't know enough about these other issues. But I, I don't know. No, I just think that every every issue has its own nuances, and yeah, they can't. You can't make a direct correlation. You can make a lot of comparisons, but you can't make exact direct correlations. Yeah, I think. Well, I wonder if we made any kind of impact out there or the point was lost and messed up. I don't know. What is our takeaway? Yeah, that's what kind of what I'm wondering. I guess the takeaway is be direct. Say what you mean. Ask what you want. Ask for what you want. Don't assume what other people can or will do. And if they do have a problem with it, it's their problem, not yours. And But that doesn't <sighs> mean it's not okay for someone to be vegetarian. That's not what we want. But I guess I'd rather someone was vegetarian than nothing. Wouldn't you? Well, yeah. I'd rather rapists rape without guns to women's heads, too. Right. 
but that's not what I'm asking for. Right. I'm you not know, saying, I mean, that, I'm not saying ask for that. I'm just, I'm just trying to say, you know, if we have people out there that are listening that are, you know, under the misguided notion that humane farming makes a difference or, you know, that are vegetarian that are considering veganism. I just don't want to say, you know what? You're not doing what we're doing. You're a shitty person. Right. This gets down to the, what we've talked about before. Everyone draws their line in a different place. So you have a smart car, so therefore you're better than me. No, or, I'm not No, no, no. I know you're not. I'm just, I'm saying. And, you know, I bike to work and you don't. So therefore I'm better than you. And Elliot takes leave showers. So he's better than us. I mean, so somebody who's vegetarian, I don't want to say, I don't want to, uh, what's the word? Well, I don't want to not say that's, I don't want to say that's not good, but you can do more. Yeah. And let's help you get there. Let's not judge a person's worth based on what they eat. Like everybody's worthy. Everybody's important. Everybody deserves respect, right? And mm-hmm. to be heard and dignity and all those things. What I'm saying is, it's not, yeah, those people are, it's just like our friend who isn't vegan anymore. I was like, look, whatever you eat or don't eat, I care about you. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I want to be so clear about that. Right. Because I felt like there may be a, you know, a worry that like, oh, you know, if I'm not vegan anymore, Dallas won't like me anymore. Yeah. And there definitely was, not just about you, but, but. Everybody. In pursuing what's going on with her, you know, I said, we are still here. We're still your friends. You don't need to remove yourself from the situations. And you're still welcome. So again, it's like, I hold this moral truth, Right. And I, I want other people to, to make decisions based on this moral truth. However, if they don't, that doesn't mean that I'm going to view them as somebody who is inferior or bad or wrong. So I feel like it is possible, again, to always validate and encourage, you know, people wherever they are, but also be really cognizant and aware about holding that consistent position. Right. Because again, I think that that's the best way you can honor someone is to be truthful and direct and honest and upfront and clear about who you are and what you want and what you think is right and wrong and all of those things while at the same time honoring who they are and where they are. Mm -hmm. So it's not, that isn't easy. No. <laughs> that is not easy. But I do think that it's something I just want I want vegans and people who talk to other people about veganism to think about these things. Think about how you have these conversations, what you're putting out there, what are the words that are coming out of your mouth? And what is it that I mean, what is it that you are directly or indirectly condoning when you have these conversations? Right. And just be clear. That's all. And it takes practice. And still, like, if I, if I screw up in a conversation or I say something, I will have to say, you know what? Wait, that's not really what I meant. I need to, like, clarify that. And that's okay to do that, too, if you make mm-hmm. a mistake and you catch yourself in the middle of it. You're Just not perfect? That. Oh, my God. Let's be friends. <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess that that is 
the whole point in a nutshell. That's the takeaway. Does okay. that make sense? Made sense to me. Elliot? Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Oh, good. Oh, I'm so relieved. <sighs> Sometimes it's not easy to communicate what it is that you are thinking. It's not. That's why, you know, it's funny. We were actually talking about this before we started recording, and I said, this is the dialogue we need to be having for the show. Let's just stop Yep. and talk about this on the show, because this is the dialogue we need to have. Yeah, it's hard to recreate that sometimes. Yeah. Okay, well, great. Are we going to move on? I think we should. Cool. So should we do a product review? Yeah. Product review, product review. We're going to do a product review. Yeah! (laughs) Why don't we review like 16 products? (laughs) I think we're going to because you want to. I do want to. Um, We have gotten a rash of books lately. And so I think that it would be kind of fun to just talk about all of these fun books that have come into our lives lately. Okay. What do you want to start with? Let's start with The Lean. Go for it. Um, The Lean is the most recent... Kathy Freston book. The most recent installment in the Kathy Freston series of books about veganism. Enterprise. And um, it's about what you could probably guess from the title. And it's kind of been a common buzz theme of the day. And that is leaning into veganism. It is... It is a diet book in that it's like, here are simple changes that you can make to live a more healthy life. It touches on the animal stuff, but it's really more about health. And I think in terms of diet books that aren't ridiculous like the Atkins diet for obvious reasons that's ridiculous but that aren't um that don't look at like the totality of nutrition and a whole diet instead of just like you know don't ever eat carbs ever um it's it's definitely good in that respect um this kind of relates to our topic you know where she is advocating for leaning into healthier food choices that also happen to be more compassionate food choices um does she ask for what she wants yeah well at least she did in the veganist I haven't read this one um you know, yeah, delicately. Um, it's not... She doesn't... Hmm. Gently. I'm going to say gently she does. But it's not a... If you didn't know that that's what she was asking for, you wouldn't necessarily know that. So maybe it's more sneaky than anything else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I thought that it was... 
but it was definitely decent. It's comparable to her other books if you like her writing writing style and her approach to veganism. You'd like it. I do recommend The Veganist. I'll say that. That's not what we're talking about, but I like that it's one by too. The same one. But this book same just lady. came out in April. So, it's yeah, hot off the presses as they say. So, you want to talk about the Tipsy Vegan? I do. The Tipsy Vegan is a really cute, brightly colored recipe book. And it's all about uh, putting booze in your food. (laughs) Um, Not with every single recipe, but there are definitely recipes for cocktails, um, for things with booze for drinking while you're cooking it's it's very cute love the recipes in this book such a cute book and it's little and it 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 would be a great gift i think it's not gonna be really like it's not it's no veganomicon i mean it's not a comprehensive vegan cooking bible but it's 75 boozy recipes to turn every bite into happy hour. So, yeah, I think it's it's super fun. It's really cute. It's bright. This would be something that would be a good gift for somebody, I think. I can see that. Yeah. Just make sure that they drink. Yes, don't give this to somebody that doesn't drink or cook with booze. Like me. Because wouldn't it be <laughs> a great gift for Dallas? Right. For Elliot, maybe. Yes. Yes. For me, most definitely. definitely. <laughs> okay. I'm drunk right now. <laughs> That's not true, you guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for lying to you. Uh, okay. But I, I'm all for any um, recipe for a chickpea spread that has cognac in it. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. I know you are. It's like figgy pudding, you know? <laughs> Who knew figgy pudding had rum? All right. Do you... Oh, and this is by uh, John Schlim. I suppose we ought to say who these books are by. This one's by John Schlim, too. Fancy that. Ah. This one I'm talking about is Grilling Vegan Style. 125 fired up recipes to turn every bite into a backyard barbecue. And He's this... like that every bite line. And this book would be good for somebody that has a grill. And yes. doesn't live in a second floor apartment with no patio. Like me. Right. Well, like you. I do have a grill and I don't live in a second floor apartment with no patio. Um, so, yeah, I guess he also wrote The Ultimate Beer Lover's Cookbook. Elliot! Wow. But that doesn't say if it's vegan or not. So, I don't know. It's just on the back cover of this one. This has a beautiful layout as well. I haven't tried any of the recipes in it, unfortunately. It just got to be warm enough to grill. Yeah. Here. So, but yeah, it looks pretty beautiful. Do you want to say anything else about that one? I, you know, it makes me I kind of want that one. It makes me wish that we did have a grill. Yeah. Because we have a little George Foreman that we do a whole lot of asparagus grilling on, but that's kind of the extent of our grilling. And I even have an apron that says I do my grilling without killing or something like that. 
But I don't really do any grilling because, yeah, I don't have a grill. And this has, like, grilled watermelon. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. Can we talk about city chickens? We can. That's another book. They're all books today. <laughs> it is another book. Fancy that. City Chickens by Christine Hepperman. And this one, I would say, is more like a children's book. Um, I don't know that it has like an age, recommended age thing in here. But I'm guessing kind of that third or fourth grade level. is I, From my... That's kind of a toss in the dark since I have... Grades one to four, ages six to nine. Oh. All right. <laughs> That's good job. You just got to look in the right spot. Yes. Um, so this is a book about Chicken Run Rescue, which is an awesome, awesome rescue in North Minneapolis, um, right in our neck of the woods. Local to us. Yep. And they've got all kinds of adorable pictures of chickens and um, chickens eating spaghetti... Chickens um, and spaghetti. Yeah, they like spaghetti. Um, lots of pictures. Lots of pictures. A chicken sleeping on his back because he has heart arthritis um, in his feet. So um, it's good. I mean, I guess my critique of this book is that uh, there are some pronoun issues in terms of it. Yeah. And um, there are also some things about uh, owning owning animals in it that I'm not really a fan of. But in terms of um, looking at, you know, giving a, giving a voice to what chickens experience um, and how many different kinds, you know, how many different kinds of ways they can become homeless, um, I think that that's really good. A lot of people have no idea what a... And also, what I love about this book is that um, it's, it calls out the problem of quote unquote backyard chickens, mm-hmm. um, for people who want to have chickens. Urban farming. Yeah. Or that, that urban farming disaster problem. Um, because a lot of times people will get little chicks and then, oh, what do you know? Somebody's a boy and I don't want boys cause they don't lay eggs. So they're mm-hmm. useless to me. The other thing too, a lot of people don't know about, um, chickens is that they only lay eggs for, you know, three to four years if they're mm-hmm. real, if they're healthy and they live to be like 15 to 18 years. So, um, you know, I think about all these people that have these backyard chickens. Like, what are you going to do if the right. point was that you got them to lay eggs and then they're not going to? Are you going to take care of them for that other 11 years of their life? Right. You know, I mean, it's just kind of, I don't know, that frustrates me. Um, and I think it's good because it draws attention to that fact and a lot of people don't. So, yeah. And it talks about the weird places that they're found. You, I mean, you sort of mentioned that, but yeah, it's good. Um, I mean, it. it I do recommend it. Um, I just think if you're, it's just worth having a conversation about pronouns and the the owner issue. Um, but yeah, it's um, sixteen ninety nine for a hardback. And uh, Mary Happy. Britton Klaus. Mary Britton Klaus. She's the owner. She's, yeah, she chicken runs Run Chicken Run Rescue, Rescue. Uh, but not the author of the book. Right. She um, there's some of her art is featured in here though. She's a brilliant artist. Having had the pleasure of visiting Chicken Run Rescue. You know, I always thought chicks were cute, but, oh my gosh, they are... This is funny to say, but 
chickens are more like cats than I ever would have imagined that they are. <laughs> That's yeah, they kind of are like cats. I mean, and they're soft, mm-hmm. and they're very sweet, and you can like they like to be petted. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them, not all of them, but you know, like that they let you pet and hold them, mm-hmm. and they will fall asleep in your arms, and they make cute noises, and <laughs> they're so sweet. And it's really lucky that we've got this place in our in our backyard. Yeah. That we can visit this chicken sanctuary it's in cool. our backyard. It was really I mean so check that out. It's sad, you know, that she even has to do this, but Yeah. But yeah. So check that out, City Chickens. It's good stuff. Do you want to talk about the adventures of Vivian Sharp? I do. Um so there is, and this is, um, how do you, what do you, an ebook? It is out in softcover now. Oh, it is. Um, I haven't found it, but yeah, it, it exists in ebook form as well. I did not. I haven't gotten to read this yet, that. and I really want to, and I think I will. I'm going to make a promise to Marla Rose, who is the author, that when I do read it, I will say something about it on here because I, <laughs> pre- I prefer to go into some depth. All I can say is that I want to read this book. This book is about um, a high school age young woman who finds that she has some unusual superpowers and ability. And her superpowers being that she's able to not necessarily communicate with animals, but um, understand them. And they help her... Um, they help kind of guide her into a larger scenario where she is attempting to change a bad company. She's trying to affect change in this corporation that's polluting. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a quick read. It's, I mean, it's definitely written for you know like a high school it's like teenage fiction but it is so cute and so fun to see a vegan superhero and a female vegan superhero which you know what else would you expect because she also does the blog what is her blog vegan feminist agitator so i'm not at all surprised that her you know that we've got a vegan heroine as our main character yep it is a super cute book it's well written i suspect you know there were some in the ebook which was only like three or four dollars for a download there were some grammatical things that i suspect has probably been taken care of in the in the print one Mm -hmm. um but yeah, what a great way to to write a book, and I assume that it's kind of like not self. Well, is it self published? I mean, when you do kind of like an online ebook, is that I a way think to so. get the, something published without? I don't. I don't know the details of that. Going through a publishing company, anyway. Super cute. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Great for girls. Great for teenagers. Very empowering. Very girl power. It was awesome. Can't wait till you read it. Yeah. I'm sorry you haven't. 
Yeah, I will. And that's partially my fault. I will be able to soon. Um, And then the last one, right? The last one is called Dolores Huerta, A Hero to Migrant Workers by Sarah Warren. So, oh, oh, no, God, this is a children's book. It is definitely. Um, And it is about Dolores Huerta, who um, she basically was the catalyst for um, the the strike and the fair working conditions for the grape pickers in South America. I'm sure that there's a specific country that I don't I don't know. Um, but in any event, it tells the story of her um, that she was a teacher and she basically started noticing the kids were coming to school and they were too hungry to pay attention and learn and they didn't have any shoes and they were getting sick um, well we already had a conversation about vac- vaccinations but anyway I mean people can get sick for a number of reasons but they talk about vaccines here um, and so she got curious about this and went to, go to talk to the families about what's going on and they said basically that their working conditions are so terrible that they can't afford to take care of their children mm-hmm. and so this lady took action and it's told in very simple words um but it's great it's inspiring it's about one one person who makes a difference um and how a she woman went, who makes yeah, a difference yeah a woman who makes a difference and um how she goes about that actually i really like um this part it says um it goes through you know Dolores is a friend Dolores is a teacher Dolores is an organizer and then this one is Dolores is a woman Some people think she should quiet down and let the men do the talking. (laughs) Dolores just gets louder. (laughs) She asks other women to speak up, too. Their voices rise up together, booming over the farm, roaring into the city, rumbling across the country. And I thought that was a pretty cool. That was my favorite page. And it's got beautiful illustrations. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and you know the woman who did this, right? I do. Um, She is a friend, and her name is Sarah Warren. And it was illustrated... Not by Sarah Warren. By, it was illustrated by Robert Casilla. Yes. So, yeah, great, great book. Um, our friend who was on the show, Al, a while back, did a review of this book on his blog, um, These Little Piggies Had Tofu. And he talks about, you know, how the book, I actually don't know if he talked about this on the blog or if we just had this conversation, but he said that, it's about justice and people and kids understand justice and fairness. Mm -hmm. And so that it's really, it's really great because even though it's a, even though the concept is big, it's still something kids get because kids get when things are fair and when they're not fair, even though it's a really big topic. Yeah. And, um, Al is pretty discerning when it comes to what he will and won't put in front of his children and with good reason. Yeah. And this was, this was a book that he advocated for. Yeah. I'd stand behind that book too. Yep. So definitely check that out. All right. And I love that. It's like, let's get some diversity up in here, huh? Enough, enough with the white women. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're, you know, we are what we are, but let's, Let's talk about something else. Let's get a different point of view, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, green challenge time? All right. 
Cool. It's time for the green challenge. Green challenge. Green challenge. There's no gloves. There's no swords. No white suits. Uh-uh. It's just green challenge. You're just doing the earth a solid. So um, now it is time for grills, and it is also time for grass to grow. Both and of those things at the same time? Yeah. So what? if you are responsible for maintaining a lawn or grass of some kind, um, it's this might be a no-brainer, but it might not. So what I'm saying is get a push mower and don't do anything with like gas and electricity and things like that. I saw someone using them on the other day. Yep. I was like, that looks so cute and fun. Yes, push mowing. Um, if you have a hill, it will be your workout for the day. <laughs> and um, the uh, push mower. I think even are, with a regular mower, it'd be your workout for the day. Yeah, I mean it is. I mean it's fun, but it takes it takes some work. But it's a good thing. I mean, we don't get enough exercise in our in our society. We're sitting all the time. You know, everything's automated. So push a mower and use your muscles. It's good for you. Mm -hmm. um, it's also better for the environment because you're not spewing fumes into the air and there's no gasoline involved and all that. Some people will say electric mowers are good. I still just think the push mower is better. You use your own power to generate it, so that's good. You can adjust them, high or low. I encourage you to have your push mower set at a little bit higher level because the closer you cut grass to the base, um, the faster water will evaporate, and mm. um, that's not really good. So you want to know. have your, to know. your lawn like retain the water that comes down from rain or whatever. Um, and if you're going to do the push, push mower thing, you can't really let your lawn go too long because it's going to be so hard to go through and chop it once it's gotten all long and tangly. But um, so anyway, that is that's the deal. I also think I don't know. I think about the little little bugs and animals and stuff in the yard, and I think about those big, huge, loud mm. mowers and things. Like, I don't know, even bunnies who are in bushes and stuff. That just, it seems like a push mower is just kind of gentler on nature overall. You know, it's yeah. not so jarring and freaky. So there's not really any science behind that statement. That's just my <laughs> own, my no, own I mean, feeling in my body. <laughs> dogs, many dogs don't, and cats don't really seem to care for fireworks. Yes. Freaks yeah. them out, so I can imagine that yeah. a loud lawnmower is very unnatural and unsettling. Yeah. So, yep, push mower is the way to go. That's it. All right. It's short and sweet, kind of obvious, but maybe a good reminder. I think that was great. You can also get them used yeah. someplace. You just take them in every once in a while to get sharpened if you need to, but... You know, there's tons of push mowers out there that need a good home. I kind of actually want to buy a house now just so I can push mow a lawn. <laughs> Maybe you can someone... come over to our place if you want to. I'm sure Brandon wouldn't mind having some help. Will he hire me? Will he pay me to do this? I don't know. I mean, I'm I'll do sure. it if you want to pay me. <laughs> okay. Should we shout out? Sure. Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! So, uh, the first shout out, and... Um, this is related to when we were asking people for their adopted animal stories. So I'm going to share this one from our friend Jessica Kay. And Jessica, <laughs> I loved the subject. It said, one, hi, two, story about adopted animal with issues. So Jessica says, hi, Midwest vegan ladies. 
Elliot, what up, lady? (laughs) (laughs) She says, "Uh, first of all, I really enjoy your podcast. Y'all are weird, and I mean that in the most endearing way. Y'all, where does that come from? Y'all? Anyway. I say y'all. You do? Oh, Mm -hmm. she's in South Carolina. There we go. Got it. Um, Second, I'm listening to episode 32, which you said you wanted to hear about adopted animals with issues. I thought I'd share my story with you. And it had already been written up as part of a eulogy. So um, her UU church had an animal-centered service where we shared stories, thoughts, and songs about animals. And her partner wrote this eulogy for Rachel, their Karen Terrier. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Who recently had passed. Love the podcast. I really enjoy the variety of things you talk about and particularly enjoy vegan parents as guests. And I am going to go ahead and open this and read it to you guys. So she says, I grew up in a family that loves dogs as if they were children. We and still do take the dogs everywhere or we took and still do take the dogs everywhere. We can't go on a family vacation without staying in a pet-friendly hotel because it's not a family vacation unless the whole family is there, dogs included. My grandmother, Baba, was like a caricature of a bitter old lady who hated life and the people around her. When I was 10, she got two Karen Terriers to keep her company. One of the dogs, Rachel, began to personify Baba's demeanor. She didn't want her to touch, she didn't want you to touch her or show any affection. She just wanted to be left alone. Rachel could not get along with her sister, Rebecca, so Rebecca moved in with my aunt, and Rachel became a spoiled only child. Sixteen years later, Baba's health was declining, and she refused to go to assisted living without Rachel. The family started having conversations about who would take Rachel, and much like we did years before when discussing who would take Baba, everyone declined. That's when Vega stepped in. We call Vega the dog who never met someone she didn't love. I knew the only option for Rachel was to come live with Jessica and Vega and me. Baba had a stroke that put her in a coma in the fall of 2009. My mom went to Virginia to be with her, and as she sat by her side, by her bedside, noticed that all of Baba's muscles were tense and her hands and teeth were clenched. Even though she was unconscious, my mom told her Jessica and I were going to take Rachel. As soon as she said it, Baba's hands unclenched and she drifted away. Rachel was part of our life for two and a half years. We nicknamed her the gap troll after a mad TV sketch because she would sit at the end of the bed and not let Vega or Foxy jump up without going into attack mode. They learned how to wait until her back was turned or until she was asleep, and we learned how to spoon just right so that our legs wouldn't bump Rachel and get bitten off. She was so bad that two different groomers asked us to kindly not bring her back and a full crew would have to come in (laughs) to get the muzzle on her at the vet. Still, when it came time to put her down, Jess and I were hysterically crying at the vet's office. There was another dog there upset that we were crying, and that dog's mama explained to our explained to her, our pets are our hearts. And it seemed too ridiculous that we had grown so attached and grown to love such a miserable grump of a dog. Even though we all feel more comfortable sleeping in the bed, and my baby nephew can roam freely without fear of Rachel Soros' attack, we will still miss her. Our pets really do become our hearts. It's true. It's also it's amazing um, when you stop get, when you stop wishing that they were someone you know that they were different than they are. There's room to love them. Mm-hmm. I mean that's for anybody, but particular. I mean, if you have a grumpy, crabby, mean, grouch, just let them be that and love them that mm-hmm. way. You know, 
like yeah stop wishing that they were somebody different and that's that's the beauty of that yeah that was really cool thanks for sending that in guys um so here's another one this is from whitney and um whitney this was so cool i loved getting this one um she says Hey, I sent you a message on Twitter, but I felt like being overly enthusiastic and wanted to send a Facebook message as well. I have, uh, I've made several attempts at being vegan. I was a vegetarian for several years, but slowly got away from it. I was even vegan for a few months this time last year, but couldn't stick with it. For some reason, it has been easy, and I'm not even, oh, for for some reason this time it's been easy, and I'm not even tempted to consume any animal products. What has helped significantly is your amazing podcast. Ah, so cool. I don't have many vegan friends yet, but find your podcasts to be a really approachable way to learn a lot and hear from really inspirational vegans. Thank you so much for your podcast and for helping me adhere to a much better and happier lifestyle. Whitney. Yay. I loved that. That was so great to get that. So thank you for writing. And yeah, we, that's awesome. We had to, uh, <laughs> I yeah, Twitter eludes us. I don't, I mean, I don't know about Twitter. Yeah. We we get the tweets out somehow, but yeah, we didn't know because we do respond to everybody that writes to us. So if you try us in some way and you don't get a response within a day or two, we didn't get it. So, yeah, sorry on that. The best and so she contacted us through Facebook that way. But the easiest way is just to email us at midwestveganradio@gmail.com. At that's always good. That's the easiest way. We will for sure get that. So, um, I am going to share another companion animal related email. This is from our friend Amanda, and Amanda has a great blog called thepeacefultable.blogspot.com. We have talked about it before and talking about it again, but she wrote in, and we want to share this because it's great. So, Amanda said. Loved episode 32, and in response to your call for adopted companion animal stories, here's ours. Three years after losing our first rescue dog to old age, I started haunting the shelters. I was looking for a smaller female because I've had bad lower back and needed to be able to walk her and pick her up if necessary. After visiting four shelters, I was lying awake at night thinking of all the purebred dogs I saw at various humane shelters. It was crazy. Uh, Labrador retrievers, beagles, etc. If anyone thinks they need a purebred dog, just go to the Humane Society. Anyway, I finally saw, and I'd say any dog rescue, like you could get pure dog, purebred dogs anywhere without going through a breeder. Side note. Anyway, um, uh, finally saw a small mixed breed black pup with tan and white paws laying on her side um, while all the other dogs were barking for my attention. Great. I thought a quiet one. Found out later she wasn't quiet. She was just full of worms that were zapping her energy. But by then she had stolen our hearts. Uh, Ipo was found along with nine of her siblings running stray in a nearby rural town. I wanted her brother too, but had agreed to only bring home one dog. I was determined to try to be a better dog owner this time around, to understand how a dog thinks and therefore train them easily. So I watched a lot of Dog Whisperer. It worked like a charm. I don't know a whole lot about that show, but anyway, me, Ryan, doesn't know a lot about that show. By the end of the first day, she had learned to sit for the leash Our main issue was walking down the road, for Ipo was deathly afraid of cars. After seeing Ipo drag me 
to the ground and into bushes every time a car went by. The neighbors would holler out encouraging comments such as, Wow, look like some looks like someone's walking a kangaroo. I was determined not to give up because walking your dog is the most primal thing you can do with him or her. I talked to the I talked the post lady into giving Epo a treat when we made it to the post office to pick up our mail. After some banged up knees and stuff, I started trying different collars and finally bought a an easy walk harness at the shelter where I found Epo, and that saved us. Five years later, she's the best walker in the entire neighborhood and is quite proud to prance alongside me. I began stopping near loud trucks and things just for a moment to desensitize her. When the 4th of July fireworks would go off, I'd give her a cookie, and I always follow the dog whisperer's advice of never petting her or cooing her when she was frantic. That's the last thing they need. I just acted calm and proceeded forward so she would know that all she had to do was follow me and it would be fine. She also had some separation anxiety, so... I would leave for one minute and come right back. Then i leave for five minutes, gradually extend the time so she knew I was always coming back for her. Now she's really calm and steady, and she's the best family member ever. When you walk with your dog, you meet your neighbors, you get exercise, and you form a deep bond together, and it's very healing, especially for a rescue animal. She makes us laugh every single day, and she knows tons of tricks now, which she will only perform for treats. So that's our story. And she attached a photo, and she loves Midwest Vegan Radio, and thanks for letting me share our success story. Mm-hmm. So, yay. Cool. Dallas, any thoughts? No, just, yeah, when I started with Max, oh my God, it was awful. He's our beagle, and he pulled and stopped and darted and tangled me up with the leash and all that, and now he's awesome. He's just plods along. <laughs> he still eats all the trash on the street, but... You know, and why would He's you? just doing, you know, he's just doing his civil duty. Of course. Anything else? Um, Do you have any special, specific shout-outs? Um, no. No? Not a one? Shout-out to raspberries. I like them. I want to shout-out to cherries. <laughs> and get with it already, because I've bought in three bags now, and they've all sucked. Yeah. It's not the time yet. I don't really know a whole lot about cherry season. I suppose I could use my internets to find out about when I can expect to get good ones. But let me tell you, the ones I got are not good. Yeah, I I don't know. I just like fruit in general. Elliot, do you have any shout-outs? I got a shout-out to Ryan for this delicious cocktail. Yay! Is that Dr. Pepper? It was Dr. Pepper. Yeah, it was amazing. Nice! There's <laughs> more where that came from. Okay. <laughs> What's the recipe, Ryan? Um, it is a Dr. Pepper, a bottle of Dr. Pepper, so it's not a can, and it's been sitting in the fridge, and it's been open, so, you know, it's, it's not decarbonated, but it's, it's been let breathed, let to, Uh. let to, whatever, let to breathe. Yes. It's been allowed to breathe, and a couple ice cubes, and tell them more do. All right. Nice. Yep. Now you know. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks. We're done. Bye. Bye. Bye.